Here's the deal, 120 believers met in a room like this 2,000 years ago. Jesus had just ascended into heaven. 120 followers of Jesus were left looking at each other like, hey, how do we change the world? How do we do this? What are we going to do? And as they're praying, the Holy Spirit arrives and shakes the very foundation that they are standing on and they go preach with boldness and 3,000 people get saved that day. Then they take the gospel from Jerusalem to Judea to Samaria and to Philippi and to Corinth and eventually to Rome and to the ends of the earth. By 200 AD, that number was up to 200,000 Christians. By 250 AD, it was up over a million. Today, it's 2.3 billion strong. Why? Because when we fix our eyes on Jesus and allow him to work through a bunch of imperfect people, God really does change the world. And so here we are in Austin, Texas, fall of 2022. The baton has been passed to us. This is, this is our time in history to go change the world. Hebrews 12.1 tells us how to do it. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, all those who have gone before us, let us throw off. Hey, these, these words have been speaking to me this week. Let the word of God speak to you. Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Today, we're talking about how to change the world. I'm serious. I titled this sermon, Three Prayers That Change the World. So Father, be with us now. We love you. We're here to change the world with you. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. You guys can take a seat. Welcome to week four of Let's Go Change the World. This is the, the last week in this series. Uh, we've covered a lot of ground over the last month. If you've missed any of the sermons, go back and, and watch them on YouTube. But just to catch you up, we uh, established in week one that there is an order to this process of changing the world. Like, that's what we all wanna do, right? We all wanna make a difference. We all wanna have a purpose in life. The question is, how do we do it? Well, well there's an order to it. Doug talked in week one uh, about how we need to allow God to change our heart, how it starts with us. And then in, in week two, he talked about being famous to your family, being famous to, to a few, impacting your circle. But then last week, Ethan talked about what it looks like to step out of the house and have influence in your arena. And today, I get to preach week four, how do we actually change the world? Thought about that question for four weeks, and then three weeks ago, I felt like I, I got an answer. Um, I went out to Massachusetts to, to preach at a church out there, and um, the night before on Saturday night, I went out to, to dinner with my friend Matt, who's the, the pastor of that church, and um, we were in Northampton. Now, if you know anything uh, about church history, you know Northampton is a really important place. Back in uh, 1730s, there was a movement of God called the Great Awakening. And real quick, God is always on the move. God is always ready to, to change hearts, but then there are some moments in history where it just seems to be, it just seems like God's up to something uh, a little bit more, a little bit extra. 1730s, the Great Awakening was one of the, these moments. Uh, 50,000 people got saved. And for context, that was 10% of the population of the 13 colonies at that point. 
10%. Hey, if that happened today in the United States, we're talking 33 million people. We're, we're talking about 200,000 people just in Austin, Texas uh, alone. This was a great awakening. There were 300 churches planted. Ben Franklin is, is quoted saying that um, you couldn't walk down a road without hearing psalms and songs and worship coming from every other home. The word of God was spreading and the gospel was, was moving forward like a wildfire. Well, that wildfire started with a spark. And that spark was a series of sermons a guy named Jonathan Edwards uh, preached in Northampton at this, this small little church in Northampton. And so uh, at dinner, we were talking about this great awakening as pastors do when they get dinner. And um, Matt goes, hey, that was right down the street, that church. And so I said, well, we gotta go. And uh, we, after we, we ate, we walked down the street and I'm standing in front of this church where the great awakening started. And it just feels, it's like a, a sacred moment for me. And as I'm standing there, Matt comes up and goes, hey, should we try to get in? <laughs> and I thought, that's breaking and entering. We can't do that. Actually, I thought people try to break into this church all the time. I feel like I'm due. I feel like I get one. All right, Matt, let's go. So we walk to the side. It's like 10 o'clock at night. Nobody else is around. And there's a door and we walk up to it. And I'm honestly, I'm hoping it's just locked. I'm hoping it's locked and we can say, hey, we tried. Let's go get some ice cream, right? And Matt reaches for it, pulls it open, and it's unlocked. So now we're looking at each other like, we've come this far. We gotta go, right? And so I, I step into um, this space and just have this moment where I realize 300 years later, we're still talking about the move of God that started right here. Hey, what would it look like for 300 years from now, people talking about Red Rocks Austin the same way? What would it look like for, for 300 years from now, people meeting in our space going, going, this is where heaven got more crowded. This is where one of, one of these like great movements happened. That's what I want, man. That I, I, wanna, I wanna be a part of a family that changes the world. The question is, how did they do it? And uh, as I was standing there, just, just taking it all in, I, I realized there's two answers to that question. Felt like God was saying, hey, number one, they got back to preaching the gospel. In a world where, where um, a lot of Christians had fallen asleep, and, and just been okay with religion. Edwards comes in and, and reminds them, wakes them up by reminding them uh, about the good news of the gospel, that this isn't a religion, this is a relationship, that, that, that God actually wants to have a relationship with you. And if you go study it, you'll see this phrase, justification by faith alone, which is a churchy way of saying we do all sorts of things to try to be justified in God's eyes. Maybe if I do enough good things, he'll love me. Maybe if I don't do enough bad things, he'll love me. And yet the only way to, to be justified in front of God is relying on and trusting and putting our faith in who Jesus is. And that, that Jesus laid down his life for us, the perfect sacrifice that, that, that Jesus came for us so that we could have right standing with God. So Edwards just starts preaching the gospel. And, and suddenly, out of nowhere, everyone goes, that's like 
that's really good news. And he's like, I know, right? It's good news. And they go, we should tell someone about this. And he goes, yeah, I know. Let's go tell everyone about it. And the gospel literally started to change the world. This is how it works, right? That's why at Red Rocks, we unapologetically say all the time, we exist to make heaven more crowded. So our way of saying we're we're not gonna get caught up in all the religion. This is going to be about a relationship with Jesus. And we're just going to tell as many people as we can the good news of the gospel. There is a second thing that happened uh, in the Great Awakening, and that's prayer. Um, when you read the textbooks, they always talk about the, the, the men and women who were, were preaching on the stage. But you gotta flip a few more pages to, to find the real unsung heroes of every movement. And that is that while someone was preaching the gospel, there was a whole crew of prayer warriors who were behind closed doors on their knees pleading with the Holy Spirit to move and to work in somebody's life, right? Prayer is the most underutilized weapon we have as Christians. Prayer actually changes things. And if we want to change the world, we have to get back to to, to praying, to asking God to move. I know that today is going to go well. And, And I can say that with confidence because it has nothing to do with me. And everything to do with, like, my phone has been blown up all morning with the prayer warriors in my life who I know are interceding for me today. There are people in this room strategically who are, are, are here to pray for you. They're currently right now praying that the gospel message would speak to you. Do you know that? Like, and, and, and this is like, a complete paradigm shift for us when, when we realize, hey, um, if we want something to happen here, like, yeah, we can, try to, we can try to communicate it well. And we do, hopefully, sometimes. Like we, like, we can do our best to create this space, but at the end of the day, it's the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. And that's why prayer is the answer to, to how we change the world. So I wanna give you three today. I wanna give you three prayers that you can start praying this week and a, and a dare to actually pray them this week. But before we do that, a challenge. I've been a pastor for 10 years. I've had a lot of pastoral meetings along the way. And I've noticed a trend. Uh, I've noticed that one of the patterns is oftentimes people will want to talk because they'll say something along the lines of, I feel like my faith has plateaued. Like it was going really well for a a while there, but now I feel like there's no forward movement. I feel like I've I've just plateaued. It's usually the language that they'll typically use is I just don't feel like I'm being fed anymore. And what I've noticed over the years is that nine times out of 10, that is a symptom of a deeper problem. And the problem is this, oh, you still think faith is about you. And no judgment, this is a natural part of the journey. It's just that at some point you have to graduate from thinking that way. Think about Christmas. When you're a kid, Christmas morning is all about you. And it should be. So count down those days, run down those stairs, open your presents and enjoy it. But I'm a 32-year-old grown man. Like, imagine if this December, I'm showing up to my family's place going, that new pair of rollerblades better be under that tree or else I'm throwing a fit. You know, like imagine I I run down the stairs and push my nephew out of the way, like, where's my pile? 
we look at that and go, oh, Ryan didn't keep going. He didn't keep growing, right? <laughs> because when you do, you realize that as amazing as Christmas morning is when you're a kid, there's a deeper magic, isn't there? You realize that setting the table for the next generation is where the, the, the real magic is at. Or, or for the person in your life who um, had a difficult year and just needs somebody to be with them on Christmas. You make Christmas about them. That's where the real life is found. Or in helping people who are less fortunate than you celebrate Christmas. That's like, like gifts are great to, to get, but at some point you realize that giving them is just so much better. Well, when I first got saved, my faith was all about me. And it needed to be, for good reason. Like, I had to get my house in order. But the day I realized that I actually exist to make heaven more crowded, like the day I realized that I have a part to play in this process and that my words actually impact people and that my prayers actually change things, oh man, that's when faith starts to get really fun. That's when you start to, to find your purpose. And so uh, if that is you, my challenge to you is this. If you're sitting here going, yeah, I just, I don't know anymore. What if for the next 15 minutes, you stopped listening to me altogether? I'm serious. Stop listening to me and start praying. Start praying for people in this room. Start praying for people watching online right now. Not out loud, just silently to yourself. Don't be weird about it. Don't go up to them after service like, I was praying for you. That's, you're still thinking about yourself if you do that, right? Like, like just as an act of, of serving, what if you spent the rest of this time going, God, whatever's going on in, in that guy's life, would you bless him? And, and would you speak to him? Would you encourage him? Hey, whatever she's going through right now, would you remind her that she is a, 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 your daughter and that you love her and that you have a plan and a purpose for your life? Hey, would, would the gospel break in and, and speak to that guy's soul? I'm telling you, you start doing that, it changes the entire way you show up to church. Not, oh, I wonder if I'm gonna get fed today, but, but rather, hey, it's time to set the table for some people to experience God. Prayer is how we get our eyes off of ourselves get them back onto God. And I'm just telling you, it's, it's a better way to live. It just is. And so three prayers that change the world. Here we go. Prayer number one, make your mission my obsession. Been praying this prayer this week. God, would you make your mission my obsession? Let's break that down first. What is God's mission? Well, 1 Timothy 2 tells us, says this, this is good and pleases God our Savior who wants all people, everyone say all people, to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. What does God want? For everyone to be saved, for everyone to know about Jesus. Jesus said it this way, Matthew 28. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, everyone say all nations. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, like we're gonna do in a few weeks, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. What's the mission, and how can we be a part of the mission? Tell as many people as we can about Jesus, and then teach them how to live like Jesus. The mission is tell as many people as we can about Jesus 
and then teach them how to live like Jesus. Man, I want that to become my obsession. I want that to be the thing that I, I go to bed praying about. I want that to be the thing that I wake up in the morning thinking about, going, God, how can I help? I, I want that to be the filter through which every word that I say is spoken. Uh, I want that to, to um, be the filter through which every action, everything that I do is filtered through. I want it to be my obsession. Have you ever met someone who's obsessed with something? Like golf, cooking, CrossFit, Kardashians, I don't know, whatever. They talk about it all the time, don't they? They look for opportunities to bring it up. And it's usually like a stretch, you know? I'll be like, Matt, look at that bird. How cool is that bird? And he'll go, oh, speaking of birdies, I was actually playing golf yesterday. <laughs> like, what? That's not, that's not even what we were talking about, right? Man, what if God's mission, people get, teach people about Jesus, show them, teach them how to live like Jesus, became such an obsession for us that, that we just began trying to connect the dots everywhere we went. So your friend's like, yeah, I got an 88 in the class, but the teacher gave me an A. I just feel like I got the grade that I don't deserve. And you're like, you know what that sounds like? You ever heard of God's grace? Get what you don't deserve. You know what I mean? I'm kidding. But like, like okay, how about this? What if the prayer is, I wanna be so obsessed with God's mission that I have to check myself to not say things as to not be the weird guy? Like, what a great goal for your life. I wanna be so obsessed with God's mission that I'm, I'm constantly going, I, I, I've got a connection here, but I'm, I'm probably gonna hold off because I've already done like three. You know what I mean? Like, I just want, I want God's mission to be what I think about. God, make your mission my obsession. Number two is this. God, make me dangerous. We were talking to uh, Sean, who's the lead pastor of all of Red Rocks last week, Doug and I were on the phone with him because he was preaching the sermon in Denver and I'm preaching it here. So we're working it out, thinking like, what are the three prayers gonna be? And we came up with this phrase, make me dangerous. And Sean just goes, oh, that's it for me. I'm just gonna do the whole sermon on that phrase right there. And so he did, you can go listen to it on YouTube. It's fantastic. But here's the, the takeaway. I don't wanna get to the end of my life and go, you know what? I was comfortable I wanna to get to the end of my life and go, you know what, I was dangerous to the devil. Because the Bible says that the thief, Satan, the devil, comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Which means all across this city right now, Satan is trying to, to lead people away from life. Trying to, to get people to go down certain paths and promising them life when really all they're going to find is frustration and isolation and loneliness, addiction, on and on the list goes. And here's the thing, man, I take issue with that. I do. I don't like that, that Satan's trying to do that. And I believe what the rest of that verse says, that Jesus is king and that Jesus came to, to bring us life and life to the fullest. And so my mission in life is to do as many things as I can to, to help lead people away from what the thief is trying to do and point them to Jesus. But I wanna be dangerous. I wanna be good at it. And, and here's the, the deal. Now, this is important. You gotta get this, man. The, the day that you raise your hand and say, I wanna follow Jesus, it's the best day of your life. In that moment, you get forgiveness for your sins. Remember, justification through faith alone. You get forgiveness for your sins. Your record is wiped clean. You're going to heaven forever. 
absolutely yes and amen. That doesn't mean you're dangerous yet though. There's a process to it, a lifelong process of learning to dive into God's word and learning to pray and, 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 and ask the Holy Spirit to work out the stuff in your life that's not supposed to be there and, and, and amplify the stuff that is supposed to be there. Becoming dangerous is a process. It takes training. It takes time. And, and I just have a sense that God is calling us as a church to get ready. I, years ago, in my first seminary class I ever attended, I was like 23, the professor got up and said, hey, um, I'm so glad you guys are here because this whole process takes time. Like, if you wanna learn how to be like Jesus, it's gonna take a while. And, and I, as the 23-year-old with the loud opinions in the back, go, what about Paul? And the professor, who's like this 60-year-old guy who's just a brilliant mind, just so patiently goes, what about Paul, Ryan? And I say, well, you know, like he was heading in one direction and then God changed his life and then he just went out and immediately started planting a bunch of churches all over the world. What about Paul? Why are we even sitting in this seminary class? We should be out on the street telling people about Jesus. Who's with me? You know? And he just so patiently goes, okay. Let's flip open to Galatians chapter one, which is always like, uh-oh. I'm about to learn something, right? Galatians chapter one, this is Paul writing. I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age among my people and was extremely zealous for the traditions of my fathers. He's going, I was really good at doing what I was doing, which by the way was persecuting the church. But when God, who set me apart from my mother's womb, called me by his grace, was pleased to reveal his son in me so that I might preach him among the Gentiles. Ethan talked about this a lot last week. Paul's conversion, where he realizes that Jesus actually is Lord. And then here it is. My immediate response was not to consult any human being. I did not go up to Jerusalem to see those who were apostles before I was, but I went to Arabia. Later, I returned to Damascus. Then, and I'm sitting in the back of my seminary class going, oh no. After three years, I went up to Jerusalem and got acquainted with Cephas, who was just Peter. Three years later, we don't know much about Paul's three years in Arabia, but here's our thought. He realized, hey, if I'm going to go tell people about Jesus, I need to know Jesus. If I'm gonna go preach the word, I better learn the word. I better take some time and get ready. I wanna take some time and get dangerous. And so my, my call for us today is to pray this prayer, God, make me dangerous. But it's also to take some steps to get ready. Because I, I think that this room is full of people who wanna go change the world. I really do. My question is, are you ready? Said another way, if an opportunity opens for you to preach the gospel to your coworker tomorrow, will you know what to say? Last Monday, I had a great day, I was in the zone all day, meeting with Doug and Ethan about some, some big vision stuff for the church. And then I headed to the coffee shop to, to finish up some devotional stuff for our next series, and I'm, I'm just in the zone. And then all of a sudden, I look at the clock and it's eight o'clock at night. You guys ever have those moments where you just get, you get caught in it? And, and I look up and I go, what am I doing? I, got, I, gotta like, I gotta put this down for the day. Monday night football's on, I, I'm gonna go get some food, 
you realize, I just realized how hungry I am. I'm gonna go get some food. I'm gonna go watch the second half of the game, right? And living in Austin is so amazing for so many reasons. One is because we get spoiled by the best food in the world. I really believe that. It's like, it's incredible. And I realized in that coffee shop that I really wanted Chipotle. You guys ever heard of it? Local joint, Chipotle. Go try it out this week. No, I don't know. I know that there's so many good spots to go in Austin. I just, a chicken burrito with that salad dressing. I don't know what's in that salad dressing. I'm sure it's terrible for you, but it just tastes so good, right? I, I just needed, I wanted Chipotle. So I, I, I show up and the line is out the door, which is not what you're expecting at Chipotle. So I pull the game up on my phone and I'm just standing in line instead of sitting on my couch waiting for my burrito, one person after another, after another, for 15 minutes, until finally I get to the front of the line and there's one guy standing in front of me. Okay, I just need this guy to, to go. We can get my burrito and get home. The guy goes, hey, what would you like? And, and the guy in front of me goes, mm, hmm, what sounds good today? Do I want a burrito? I want a burrito. No, let's go healthy. I want a, I want a salad. No, I'll, I'll meet you in the middle. Give me a bowl. I'll take a bowl. And they go, okay, so what kind of bowl? And he goes, mmm, I love steak. Steak's usually my go-to, but I had steak last night. Maybe I go chicken. Maybe I try it. Maybe I need to branch out. Maybe I, maybe I need to try some new things in life. Maybe I'll, hey, I'll go chicken. Give me chicken. No, you know what? Steak. Let's go with steak. This went on for like three minutes. And the guy at, in Chipotle just goes like this. Like, you know what's coming next. I'm just gonna a keep asking you questions. You just need to give me answers. And the guy just keeps going, hmm. It took every last ounce in me to not go, what have you been doing for the last 15 minutes? We've just been standing here. You have no one to talk to. I know that. I've watched you just stand there and talk to no. What have you been thinking about? You knew these questions were coming. Chipotle doesn't try to trick you. It's the same question every single time. Why didn't you think about this before? And sometimes I wonder if God looks at us the same way. No condemnation. But you know what it looks like to change the world. You know the questions that are going to come your way. What have you been doing? If we wanna be dangerous, we gotta get ready. If we wanna change the world, we gotta be ready to change the world. And listen, no condemnation. I, the very first time I tried to tell someone about Jesus, it was terrible. Here's what happened, his name was Josh, good friend of mine. And I just got saved and was passionate and ready and Josh was just on my heart, right? So I'd been praying for him and praying that God, would you open up a, a, an opportunity for me to talk to Josh? Sure enough, the day came, we were gonna get dinner and I'm like texting Doug and E, like, pray for me, this is it. And so we sit down and uh, in the back of my mind, I'm trying to stay present in the conversation, but I'm just working up the courage. You guys know that feeling? It's like, here, this is it. I just gotta do it. Just gotta tell them. And I finally work up enough courage and I go, hey man, um, love to talk to you about God. And to my surprise, Josh goes, okay, great. And I panic. 
absolutely panicked because I realized in that moment I had spent all of my energy working up to make the ask, but I hadn't worked on the pitch at all. I didn't, I didn't know how to talk to somebody about God. I just knew I was supposed to. And so Josh is looking at me and I go, so there's God and there's us. God created all of this. It was all good, but you know, sin, sin. I, we all sin. I certainly do, right? Like separation, but Jesus, Jesus man, Jesus is so awesome. And like, dude, so you like, you wanna pray the prayer? He looked at me like, what prayer are you talking about? I'm so lost right now. I have no idea what you just said, right? Man, I wanted to change the world, but I wasn't ready. We gotta get dangerous. We gotta take time to, to learn our stuff. It's not that we have to be scholars about the word of God, but let's dive into the word of God and at least have answers to questions. Or at the very least, have humility to say, I don't know, that's a great question. Let's explore it together. And so um, a few weeks ago, we were talking about how to follow up this series. Let's go change the world, man. Where do you go from there? And we realized if we wanna change the world, we gotta help people get ready to change the world. We gotta help people get dangerous. And so for the next four weeks, we're talking word of God. Series where we're going to dive deep into the Bible, deep into scripture and talk through what it is, what it says. We're gonna learn. But here's the deal. That series doesn't start in a week. It starts in 25 minutes. Doug's about to jump up here and explain this at, at the end of the service, but we put together a 28-day devotional, and today is day one of that devotional. For the next 28 days, 10 minutes a day, we're gonna help you walk through the entire story of the Bible. We're gonna give you an opportunity to get away with God and let the word of God transform your life. I'm telling you, man, that's how you get dangerous. And so more on that in, in a little bit, but let's apply that these next four weeks. We wanna change the world, let's get dangerous. Prayer number three, we'll end here. Throw me an alley-oop, and I'm so serious. Throw me an alley-oop, this has been my prayer all week. I, uh, Doug and I grew up watching Space Jam every morning in the summertime, that 10 minute montage. Michael Jordan, you know what I'm talking about. And then we'd head out to the driveway and play basketball. An alley-oop is a, a, in basketball when somebody throws the ball up and then the other person dunks it, right? And uh, we got really good at throwing each other alley-oops. Like it got to the point where I could throw it up and Doug would catch it 360 dunk. We're talking like dunk contest level skill. And then my dad would get home and he'd raise the hoop up from seven feet to 10 feet. And he'd sit us down and he'd say, hey, this is really cool, but that does nothing for you in your actual game. Keep the hoop at 10 feet. Come on. Breaking dreams. It's always been my dream, be in the NBA. Hope to be, hope to be there one day. Still holding on hope. But um, I realized on Monday that God is constantly opening up windows of opportunities for us to love people, encourage people, and tell people about Jesus. I just believe it's happening all the time. If God can part the Red Sea, he can make that happen. It's just that I don't see a lot of them. And then sometimes I see it and I still get scared and don't do it. And so what I realized this week is, hey God, I need you to do like 98% of the work. Because I'm good for like 2%. 
maybe, on a good day, but I'm here for it. So God, would you start throwing me some alley-oops? Would you start putting it right there for me? Would you throw the alley-oop and then I'll just do the last 2%? And it sounds silly, but it's gonna stick with you this week. I believe that next week, we're going to be in this room telling stories about how God threw us alley-oops this week. I wasn't expecting it. It's just like God did all the work. He made it so clear. He threw it up and I just had to finish it. Like you wake up every morning and go, God, would you throw me an alley-oop today? You watch what happens. Your coworker will just find their way into your office and go, hey, this whole workspace is so competitive. Just feel like everyone's elbowing each other and pushing each other down and I just don't see that in you. I feel like you're not playing that game and I'm just wondering what's going on. You're gonna have an opportunity to go, yeah, I, I know, I get it. I was caught up in that race for years, but then God got a hold of my life. And now I, I just believe that, that I am his son or I am his daughter, that he's got me. And so I'm not gonna compete anymore. And I, I'm not gonna push other people down so that I can be brought up. I'm here to, to celebrate people. I'm here to push people forward. I'm here to love people. It's an alley-oop. You pray in the morning, God, would you, would you throw me an alley-oop today? Before you know it, your neighbor's running into you as you're walking to go get your mail. Your neighbor's going, hey, I'm just, I'm struggling today. I'm going through it right now. I just love someone to talk to alley-oop. You go, yeah, listen, I've, I've been there. I know the feeling. Let's go get some coffee, right? God, would you throw me an alley-oop today? Then you get to the gym and the guy spotting you is asking you what you're listening to. Easiest alley-oop ever, Red Rocks worship. <laughs> hey, I didn't used to be into this whole God thing, but I started going to this place, Red Rocks, and the worship's actually really good, and I love to listen to it while I work out, and this might sound crazy, but um, God has a plan and a purpose for your life. If you ever wanted to just hang out on a Sunday and come with us, I'd love to, to go. We can go get some lunch later. You can ask any questions that you want. It's alley-oop. Hey, I think there is no theological backing for what I'm about to say. I just feel like there are a bunch of angels up in heaven dribbling their, their basketballs. She's looking down on Austin, Texas, going, somebody pray the prayer. I got you. I'm gonna throw it up for you. I just need you, you just pray the prayer and let's go. I just believe that, however it works, you know? But I also know that it doesn't hurt to ask. God, would you throw me an alley-oop this week? Um, thought long and hard about how to, how to end this sermon and... Um, just became really clear, like, we gotta go back to the table. We gotta go to communion. Um, by the way, I, I forgot to say one thing. Pause, give me a 30 second break. One of the ways that I, uh, and this is important, that I've realized to set myself up for success when it comes to alley-oops is the sticker on the back of my car. We have Red Rock stickers to throw on the back of cars. And, and I do that for two reasons. The first is accountability uh, on the road. I'm just gonna be honest. Somebody came up to me at the after the 10 and said, I should not put that sticker on my car. I will do more damage. It's good awareness. On, on Tuesday 
imperfect people, here we go. On Tuesday, uh, I got a, a call that something I had created for work was I had done it the wrong way. It was completely my fault, but it was super frustrating. And um, I was supposed to go to golf league, but I had to, had to cancel on that. And I had to go to the coffee shop and go, go fix it. Anyways, I'm frustrated, I'm flustered. I pull out and uh, I'm, I'm on the, the road and somebody pulls in front of me, which is fine, unless you don't then speed up. Do you know what I mean? Am I preaching to anyone? They pull out in front of me and then they don't speed up. And I like sometimes, man, sometimes we're like three-year-olds throwing a fit when we drive. You know, that happened to me. I get mad, I, I pull over to the next lane and I speed up and get back over. And then I realize, Red Rock sticker, cool. Hey, you should come check out the church, <laughs> you know? Imperfect people, right? But I, I do, I leave it there because it's, it's good for that. But I also, I have it on my car because it's God, it's one way that God throws me alley-oops all the time. About once a month, somebody will come up and go, hey, what, what is that? Oh, it's this church that I'm, I'm a part of and um, full of lots of uh, amazing people and good community and sports and groups and discover courses. Love for you to come hang out, right? It's God, God, throwing us an alley-oop. And so we have those, those stickers for you as you walk out if you want to put one on your car. Easy, tangible step that you could take. But what if we this week got serious about praying these three prayers? God, would you make my mission, your mission, my obsession? Then God, make me dangerous. Throw me some alley-oops this week. And so with that, um, communion is the, the, the only place to, to end this sermon series because Jesus uh, on the night that he was betrayed brought his disciples together into an upper room and he's looking around the upper room and uh, he's going you guys are not ready to go do this <laughs> you guys are not qualified to do that but that's okay because this was never about you this was always about me so we're going to take this thing called communion if, if anybody didn't get one of these and wants to take communion, uh, just raise your hand and these guys will get it over to you. By the way, there's absolutely zero pressure. Um, I mean that to, to take this. It's um, just our way of remembering Jesus's sacrifice for us. You're so welcome to take this with us. Um, we'd love for you to, to join us, but feel zero pressure. So Jesus, uh, is sitting down with his disciples, looking around, realizing how unqualified and, and they really are to, to take this movement to the ends of the earth. And yet Jesus looked at them and could see what they could not. Jesus looked at them. I, I, I think Jesus looked at them knowing, hey, in 2022, that number will be up to 2.4 billion. And it has very little to do with the imperfect people and it has a whole lot to do with Jesus's perfect sacrifice on the cross. And so as he's eating dinner, he takes the bread and he holds it up and he says, hey, this is my body. And tomorrow I'm going to allow myself to be broken for you. He says, you all are imperfect, but I'm perfect. And tomorrow uh, I'm gonna make the perfect sacrifice to perfect some very imperfect people. Whereas Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 5, he who knew no sin became sin so that we may become the righteousness of God. So Matthew 26, while they were eating, Jesus took bread 
And when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, take and eat. This is my body. Let's eat it together. In the same way, Jesus took the wine, took the cup. And he said, uh, hey, tomorrow we're gonna finish this whole sin thing once and for all. I'm tired of letting the enemy steal, kill, and destroy. I've come that we may have life and life to the full. I'm here to be dangerous. So Jesus passed them the cup and he said, as often as you can, you come back to what I'm about to do. You come back to my sacrifice. When you don't know where to go next, you come back and remember what I already did. He says it like this in Matthew 26. Then he took a cup and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them saying, drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of our sins. He says, take this and let's go change the world. So let's drink. Do you guys stand if you're able? I wanna pray a prayer of blessing, but also commission over this room, over everyone watching online. Man, I just believe I believe we could be a part of something that historians are writing about hundreds of years from now. And it's not because of us, it's because of what Jesus did. But it's us being willing to say, hey, we're ready to take this message to the world. And so let's pray together. Father, as we turn our eyes to you, as we fix our attention to heaven, we cry out and we say, Lord, would you send revival in this city? Lord, would you move in a profound way in this city? all across this room, I pray that you would speak, that you would encourage, that where any, any, any fear is, that your light, like a bright light, would just shine on that fear and, and show us how silly the fear actually is. Would you do that right now in the name of Jesus? Where any addiction is, we pray in Jesus' name that you would break it. Where any sin entangles us, keeping us from holding back, from running our race with perseverance, would you show us how to remove it? And Father, as we fix our attention on you, we pray three prayers and we pray them boldly. Would you make your mission our obsession? Would you make us dangerous? Man. I feel like that line is for somebody. This call to be dangerous. This call for these next four weeks to really dive in. I don't wanna move too fast through this moment. Double down, I promise, it's the best move you could ever make. Double down on it. God, make us dangerous, and then God, throw us some alley-oops, we pray in Jesus' name, amen.